This is the 19th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. For those that uh, took my suggestion or, or have in the past read the Gospels, you know that there are 24 uh, chapters in St. Luke's Gospel, so we know that this is giving relatively close to Jesus' death and resurrection, relatively close as in uh, two or three chapters from now. And what we will see uh, in the next few chapters, in the next few weeks, as we end this church year with this cycle based on the Gospel of St. Luke is a growing animosity. But we stand kind of at the high point, perhaps, of Jesus' teaching. Last week, if you remember, we had the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the tax collector who would not even raise his eyes to the temple, but rather sat and or stood and beat his breast and be merciful to me, a sinner. Or the parable of the persistent widow who is almost shameless in her uh, going after the judge. Or time and again, we hear the call, of the, what it requires to be a disciple. And perhaps even we might remember the story of the the rich man who comes and what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus telling him, go sell what you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And he goes away sad. We have in Zacchaeus though, almost somebody that encapsulates all those teachings to the best of their ability. First, uh, I want to paint the picture. Zacchaeus, uh, St. Luke tells us, is a chief tax collector and a wealthy man. As a chief tax collector in Jericho, this would have been a prime position because almost everything going up to Jerusalem or up to the, uh, the areas around Jerusalem had to go through Jericho. If you want to imagine it as being a port city, even though it's not, not a port, it's along this, yeah, the uh, Jordan River Valley, but uh, it's not necessarily a port, but somewhere like New York. If you want to get that in your head, that's how important Jericho was to the ancient world and in the times of Jesus, uh, a place of culture. As a chief tax collector, he would have been in a position to collect lots of taxes, uh, import and export taxes, and, and in addition to the regular taxes that he would have collected. So he would have been hated above all even more so than even a tax collector, just a run-of-the-mill tax collector. And he's grown rich from his job. As a chief tax collector, this is not a job you get right out of college, if you want to imagine that, but rather he would have had to be a tax collector and worked his way up the system. So most likely he's middle age, if not a little bit older. If, if it helps you, put him in a business suit. Tie, maybe a, maybe a vest, a three-piece suit. If you want to imagine double breasts, go ahead. Now can you imagine his audacity? He wants to see Jesus. He has this desire. The only desire in his heart, apparently, is to see the Lord who is coming. And because he is short, because the crowds will not let him in, he cannot see around the crowds, he runs not walks, runs. See, running for a patriarch or somebody important was not to be done. And I, I will admit, as I say that, one of my favorite uh, 
Proverbs is Proverbs uh, chapter 28, verse 1. Wicked is a man who runs when no one is following him. It's horrible to see somebody run, and here he is. He's running ahead of the crowd. And not only that, he climbs a tree. Now, how many of us over 20 have climbed a tree lately? Oh, we might go in the cherry picker. I don't. I, I personally have a fear of heights. Uh, actually, I don't have a fear of heights. I have a rational fear of falls. But he climbs a tree in a business suit, if you want to imagine. How ridiculous is this? He is completely shameless in wanting to see Jesus. He wants that vantage point. He will do whatever it takes to be able to see Jesus. And that's all he wants. And for the first time in his life, someone looks up to him. Zacchaeus, come down quickly. Today I must stay at your house. Did you catch that, by the way? St. Luke tells us Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. He didn't intend to stay. He had other things, other places to go and other places to be. And yet, as he sees Zacchaeus, his plan changes. Zacchaeus comes down quickly and received him with joy. I find myself wondering, well, why, what does that mean to receive him with joy? We receive somebody into our, our houses, you know, we might receive them with joy or, or whatever, but Zacchaeus is not home, but he receives him with joy. Well, he receives him to his heart with joy. He receives him into his life with joy. And everyone begins to grumble when we hear this. He's gone to save the house of a sinner. And St. Luke tells us Zacchaeus stood there. It's not just a location. It's not just a nice little detail. But Zacchaeus stood there, stood his ground, stood strong, again shameless, because his desire was pure, stood there and makes this statement. Now, in our translation, we have it in the future tense, I shall give or I, I shall repay. But in the Greek, it's present tense. It's something that's already going on, something that's already started, perhaps, that his, his conversion is so total, so immediate, that already it's begun, Lord, I, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've extorted anything, I will pay them back four times. This, by the way, is a conditional if. He's not saying he has extorted. But he realizes he needs to make reparation for anything that he may have done. He's willing to go completely broke in order to show the conversion that he has to the Lord. No wonder why he could receive him with joy. And Jesus replies, today salvation has come to this house. So often with these, I'll use the word character, we might just dismiss them unless they're, we, we know them as to be saints or, you know, like, like the apostles. And even then, some have the mistaken idea as, yeah, they're just characters, fictional characters. But Zacchaeus is a real character. And so often with so many of the, the the characters that we have, again, the, the real people that we have, we don't necessarily have the, their names. We don't have the name of the rich young man who goes away. We don't have the names of those that Jesus healed 
the woman with a hunchback or, or those kind of persons. And so when the authors give us, when the evangelists give us a name, there's one of two reasons they give us a name. And perhaps today, if we examine each of those reasons, we begin to realize something more about Zacchaeus. First, the name of Zacchaeus means innocent. That the Lord knew he was innocent, even though he was a tax collector, a chief tax collector. He had done his job as innocently as he could and is willing to make reparation to become more innocent. That's a good enough reason, right? But the other reason the evangelist might give us a name is because they were significant to the early church. We don't know much about Zacchaeus historically, although I did uh, come across an article yesterday that, that stated that Zacchaeus was uh, a follower of St. Peter after the resurrection of Jesus and may have been even appointed as a bishop, which is fascinating. But even if not, a lesser-known fact and one that uh, uh, a few are per perhaps privy of, because I haven't seen any historical or, or archaeological uh, articles on this, but our Coptic Orthodox brothers and sisters found something a number of years ago in Jericho. They were the Coptic Orthodox, or the community that my classmates and I were privileged to stay with in our stay in Jerusalem. And they have a monastery in Jerusalem and a monastery in Jericho. And they own the, some of the land of the old city of Jericho. And we were privileged to go there, which in and of itself is a completely other story of the trip, especially the trip back, how all of us were almost killed, uh, going the twists and turns of the road up to Jerusalem. But there, while we were at Jericho, the Coptic Archbishop took us into the, the, the compound that they had, and they had done some archaeological uh, investigations. And there was, a, in the middle of their compound, was a little building, not too, too big. The 20 of us that were there, give or take whatever number it was, were seated in chairs around this, the, this building, a one-room building, with a rug in the middle. And the archbishop pulled the rug aside and we could tell immediately it was something important. In fact, we could tell that uh, just from our stay there that it was a mosaic that had Aramaic writing on. Aramaic would have been the common language that most have spoken. It was very rarely that it was put, anything was written in Aramaic on, especially in Mosaic, they would have used Hebrew, or the, the Greeks and Romans would have used Greek. The few times that Aramaic is used, it's almost always associated with the church. And the, the, us already being students, what does it say? The Archbishop says, it says, Today's salvation has entered this house. Is, is, is this the house? Yes. We believe this is the house of Zacchaeus. That the house of Zacchaeus became a church. That this is where the early Christians in Jericho would gather to worship. This is where they gathered to celebrate Mass. The Zacchaeus himself not only gave away half his, half his wealth 
repaid a quarter or four times the amount of what he extorted, but he turned his house into a church. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. No wonder why he could receive him with such great joy, because his life had been changed so radically in that moment. From a man that was looked down upon his entire life, not only because of his height, but most especially because of his career now, at the end of his life, a follower of Jesus Christ. And I find myself continuing to to ask the question, Zacchaeus was willing to run and to climb a tree to see the Lord. He was willing to give away half his wealth, willing to make reparations four times the amount of what he had taken illegally, immorally. And he turned his house into a church. What are we doing? What am I doing to see the Lord? What am I doing to continue to see the Lord? And we know that every single Mass we come to, and in fact, when we come as Catholics into the church, except for a few times, a few days in the year, around the Triduum, Good Friday and Holy Saturday, when we come into the church, we have the Blessed Sacrament, which is Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity, waiting for us. Are we coming with the same joy as Zacchaeus coming down that tree? Are we coming with the same joy? And if that's true, which it is, of course, why is it that less than 50% are coming on a regular basis to Mass? If we're having an encounter with the Lord every single Mass, if we see the Lord present, certainly not in the same way, we don't see Him in the flesh and blood uh, as walking around and talking to us and, and speaking to us and touching us, But he is flesh and blood all the same, hidden in the sacramental elements, body and blood. Do we recognize him? Do we receive him? We shouldn't have 50% attendance. I know I'm talking nationally. We shouldn't shouldn't even have 100% attendance. If it's true that this is Jesus Christ, we should have 200, 500% attendance. We should have the joy to go out and like Zacchaeus, to go out and say, look, Jesus Christ is real. He has made himself known. He's appearing to us time and again and again and again and again. What are we doing? What are we willing to do? We don't have to climb a tree. We don't even have to run. Oh, we might have to take some stairs or an elevator. But we come. And not only do we receive him with great joy into our lives, into our homes, but we do something even more, something that Zacchaeus later and only later could do, something that only the church continues. We receive him as food, body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is how much God loves us. We hear in that first reading how much God loves us, that he holds everything in love, and those things that he hates, he did not create. He does not hold in existence. He loves us. He loves us so deeply. He desires us. He wants to have that same encounter with us as he did with Zacchaeus. See, that's the amazing thing. As much as Zacchaeus wanted to see the Lord, the Lord stopped everything to be with Zacchaeus. The same is true for us. 
The question is, are we going to be disciples like Zacchaeus? Are we going to stand our ground in humility and make amends for whatever errors, whatever sins we've done? Are we willing to go forward and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is truly present? That he's changed our life? Doesn't matter what we did in the past, but how much he loves us now that he stops to be with us.